Welcome to Typo Productions' latest episode of Troped Out, where we chat with your favorite and future favorite authors about books, writing, and of course, tropes. I am thriller author Emma C. Wells, except when I am romantic urban fantasy author M. Shotwell. Over there is the brain to my pinky, the shaggy to my scoob. <laughs> she didn't know Scooby I was going to do that. <laughs> but you know her as speculative fiction author E.J. Winstrom. And today we welcome champion of the happily ever after USA Today and Wall Street Journal best-selling author Brighton Wash. Hello. Hello, Brighton. Brighton likes her books, how she likes her tea, steamy and satisfying. And she adores strong-willed heroines and protective alpha heroes who fall head over heels for them. Yes, that's true. Brighton lives in the Midwest with her real-life hero of a husband and her two kids, one who's already taller than her and one who's catching up too fast and her dog who thinks she's a queen. She is the author of so many contemporary romance books, both series and standalone titles. You can find a complete list at brightonwash.com books. Her latest series takes place in the small town of Starlight Cove, and we are going to dive into that in a little bit. But right now, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Brighton. Thank you for having me. Um, you reading that reminded me that I apparently need to update my bio because both my children are much taller than me now. My, my youngest <laughs> has shot up a lot. So thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> That all seems to happen really yes. quick. I'm the shortest person in my house too, and I'm 5'10". I'm 5'8", so. and I am the shortest person. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I'm never the shortest person in a room, and now suddenly I'm the shrimp. It's weird. <laughs> the shrimp. So the first thing we love to ask our guests, just to kind of kick things off, can you tell us what you are reading right now? Okay, so this has been the year of the reverse harem for me. Um, okay. I am on book 160 this year. Wow. Um, that is so impressive. Yeah. When I say I dove I when I say I dove into it, I I really dove into it. Um, so I have been reading that right now what I'm reading, I just started the Untouchable series by Heather Long, I believe is the author. So that's, uh, let's see, four guys and one girl. I'm getting greedy, basically, is what I'm saying. <laughs> this has come up before on this show. How many do you need for it to be considered a harem? It is three or more so men three. Okay. to be a harem. Yeah. So two guys is just a menage. Only a menage. And just a it's menage. just a menage, right? Only two. <laughs> but yeah, right. <laughs> um, do you, like, when you're reading this genre, do you prefer, like, contemporary? Or do you lean more, in, as a reader, into, like, paranormal with the reverse hero? Um, yeah, for sure, contemporary. Uh, I don't, I'm not a huge paranormal reader. I do read some. Um, I have read several this year. But I have to be in the right mood for it. I just, I don't know, contemporary. So I remember, this is from is. years ago. Um, I think it was actually when I was trying to get into Pitchforks and I was looking, like, because, you know, like when you're obsessed with it, you read like everybody's bio. And I think it was like from the year before you were a mentor. Um, and I don't remember who you mentored, but they always do this um, like questionnaire thing you have to fill out with your mentee or whatever. And I remember one of the questions, and I, I swear this was you, I think it was you. If it wasn't, you can correct me. But I remember it made me like snort laugh so hard. And it was something about like adventures or something that your main characters get in. And you were like, well, I just write romance. So I guess their adventures would be like the weird sexual positions. But other than that, um, they're not getting into any of this trouble. And I remember... <laughs> It made me laugh out loud, but like in a charming way. I mean, I'll be honest, I don't remember that, but that totally sounds like something I would say. So there you go. Did y'all did watch the um, Sandra Bullock movie, Channing Tatum? Yeah, The Lost City. The Lost City. Not yet. I want to. It's so good. I love Sandra Bullock. My husband even laughed. I have a friend that I did not know this when I made her go watch it with me. It was one of my friends, the art teacher, who's really fun. And then our other friend, the therapist, who is, who is fun, but we did not know this. She only watches highbrow art house films. 
And if you knew her, you would not think this. You were like, what, Anita? And so we're sitting there and like we're watching it and she's like in between us and we're like, and my friend's like recording Channing Tatum's butt with like the slugs on it. <laughs> and Anita's like, I think we can still catch Coda or something along those lines. Like, no, you're here, you're watching this, drink your beer. Like it's fine. It was so great. The casting in that movie was That's perfect beautiful. too. It was, it was so good and it was so funny. And you know, a lot of times movies or even I mean anything really books or interviews or anything can really diminish the romance genre and this did not do that this no it was so well done it was so well done it poked fun at parts of itself without putting down on it like when they was like yeah, only exactly. one hammock I was like oh there we go you know <laughs> but it never <laughs> felt like it was making That's fun of romance it wasn't making fun of romance no, yeah, it was very good. I always like when a storyline has publishing or authors in it. It's always fun to see how it's like portrayed. So did you feel that the author aspects of this was like true to reality or did they kind of like fudge it a bit? Yeah, no, it absolutely is not. I mean, maybe for like Nora Roberts, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> a dozen right, right, like a dozen people in publishing, but no, the just the relationship with the publisher i don't know it was it was different because it seemed like it was like almost like it was a boutique publisher but they were very large which you know what i mean like in terms of money in terms it of was yeah, skewed um, budget yeah, it was obviously yeah. this multi-million dollar author of yeah. like i mean caliber right like yeah, yeah. the nora roberts character like all these books, all this right. money. And then her, like she goes missing. And I think her agent is coming to like save her or look for her. No, that, that was, was her publisher. publisher. Oh, that's why, yeah. that's why I was like, her publisher goes to see <laughs> her. That email Heather and ask her no. if she'd come get you. I could definitely see that relationship with, with an agent and an author. Yeah. Like I could see that relationship happening, but no, not a publisher. But you know, I mean, it's the same as every romance novel. Like are these, are these things actually going to happen? Maybe, but <laughs> really funny. we can we can fudge things a little bit, you know? Yeah, yeah. As a fan of Younger, I'm comfortable with this, but it's always fun to watch the, and just be like, no, thing about no, this, no not a million years. This movie, though, I mean, and not to like stay on this movie the whole time, but what I really liked that they did was everybody I know that writes books, like you do so much research for even like minuscule little things in your books, like everybody is a wealth of random knowledge like you'll meet somebody they'll write in this genre but they'll be like yeah. an expert on this one thing because they had to read like four books about it one time for like three paragraphs in their novel and so Sandra Bullock who is the author in the movie she is like this historian on this culture that's like this very specific thing and that's why the villain is after her and I'm like okay this actually tracks for me yeah right. <laughs> I kind of like that yeah <laughs> That absolutely tracks. I, I have gotten, I don't want to say lazy. I want to say um, ingenious with my research. I just post on Facebook now, basically. And I'm like, do I have any friends that are EMTs? Do I have any friends who are doctors or whatever? And I have always had someone who either is or knows somebody. So I've been able to go direct to the source, which is amazing that is awesome that's brilliant i think what would be probably the weirdest thing you found yourself researching the weirdest thing hmm that you would maybe I, I clear don't... that browser after i mean it doesn't have to be criminal so, but just like <laughs> i don't know if this is party conversation i would say probably it would be criminal and that was when i was writing um my captive and exposed duet okay. for St. Martin's Press back in 2014, 2015. Um, but they're, they're criminals. So I had to research like, how does chloroform work? And how do you tie someone up so that they can't get loose? And you know, those, yeah. those kinds of things. I don't really write those books anymore. So mine now are mostly like, what kind of sex position can they be in this time? <laughs> <laughs> I had to like find out <laughs> if it was possible to sneak stuff into a hospital waste incinerator and that was a fun conversation <laughs> that with people. Oh. 
going to say, you must have some good ones. Yeah. Well, I find like if something's super weird, usually it's a chicken and egg situation for me when I'm writing like crime fiction. Like I'll read something really random and that'll get the ball rolling for the story instead of what if somebody did this? Let me research this thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had to do some weird research. Um, I don't know if you remember, I got like a start on something that was YA that had Vlad the Impaler mm-hmm. coming back from the dead. So I did some really weird research on impalement and, <laughs> and our good friend Vlad <laughs> at one point. <laughs> That's probably I the mean, worst thing just, I've had to research. She's so now casual. that I think about it. Just some impalement. I had to research. Right. <laughs> yeah. What, what are the methods historically? I actually do that too, but not the way that you do. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of oh all connected God. when you get down to if it. If you two were having oh, a conversation really and you were both talking <laughs> about different things. Oh my God, I love that idea. There's the whole vampire thing when you get um, down to it. I yeah. Penetration. I <laughs> Sorry, I'm done. I don't know. At least it wasn't cannibalism. <laughs> I'm just joking. Sorry, that's an ongoing thing. <laughs> Speaking of, I finally saw Yellow Jackets. Oh, good. Have you seen Yellow Jackets? The show. <laughs> like the insects? No, the show. No, I've never even uh, heard of it. <laughs> okay. So when I was doing some prep for this, well, I just watched it. And so it's like right top of mind for me. And yeah, I feel like there's not... You brought this up last episode, M, because I think in season one, at least, there's kind of like some suggested cannibalism it hasn't happened on screen yet (laughs) there's implied cannibalism coming i was thinking of it as i prepared for this because i was thinking about enemies to lovers and just like in general the way that (laughs) i'm sorry i'm over here laughing and i'm not laughing pj i'm laughing because okay well right we always it's okay but this is we have two podcasts together, and we have this one where we interview you lovely authors, and we have another one where we just get really geeky on random geek tangents, and for a minute, a minute, we were locked inside for too long <laughs> when everything started and the world started burning. All of our conversations kept coming back to cannibalism, and it just became this ongoing theme, and we were like, we need to talk about this. Like, it's the elephant in the room are. at this point. Anyway, the point was, I was thinking about enemies to lovers because that's what your upcoming book is. And it, it kind of got me thinking about like relationships in general and the way that the world's going these days because it seems like enemies to lovers is just extraordinary. Like it's always popular, but just like extraordinarily popular right now. And I was like, I wonder if that has anything to do with the way that we're interacting on social media, the way politics is going, where maybe there's, there's this escapism factor to this ability to overcome differences that people seem to not be able to do in real life right now. And I started thinking about Yellow Jackets because I like the way that the ladies on that show in the now timeline, like when they're adults, they don't necessarily like each other very much, but they are able to get over that and get along and get some really weird shit done despite that a few times on this show and like there's obviously like there's the trauma that they went through surviving the woods as teens if you haven't seen the show yet but I don't know it was just very appealing to me and I especially love very problematic anti-hero female characters so watching them all kind of interacting like that on the show is like five stars for me I don't you would like it I know I know it took me a while to uh find the time with my move so enemies to lovers uh that your new book has enemy i'm very impressed with you dj winstrom you really brought it around here yes let's let's go forward with that brought it back <laughs> yeah i went i took because, this full circle well, let me tell this you this is my you, grand you tour you're welcome to lovers and that is in starlight cove boom here we are we are talking about your book yes we brought it all the way around cannibalism. Tell us about your new book. <laughs> that was an excellent transition. Is there cannibalism? Is there? <laughs> I mean, people are. Sadly, there's not. Anything. But... <laughs> I mean, well, actually, I was just going to say, somebody does get eaten <laughs> several times. Mm, there you go. So. Yeah. There's that. Yeah. There's that. <laughs> I'm, I'm so impressed with this episode right now. I can't even tell you guys. <laughs> Greatness. But for real, um, we have your blurb here, and this is the first book in a new series, right? 
or is it the second? It's yes, the first. It okay. And what's the nope. title? First book in a new series. This book is Defiant Heart. Defiant Heart. And can you tell us a little bit about it? It is based in Maine and it is around the McKenzie family. There are five older brothers and one baby sister. Their parents, I don't want to give too much away, but basically they are trudging through life on their own, trying to save their family's um, resort. And that's where it sort of kicks off because the heroine, Luna, is a little bit of a troublemaker. I'm going to call her like, she's totally a moon goddess um, who travels. She's hashtag van life. Um, she travels around the country in her converted van and she has like, she's a crystal junkie and she's very in tune with the moon and like she is one with the universe. And Brady, the hero, is like the sheriff of Starlight Cove and he's like very straight laced and really um, type A, very controlled and rigid. So these two coming together was was quite fun. He's arrested her many, many times. And the latest is putting a strain on a possible opportunity for the resort. So he has to get creative and try to keep her out of trouble. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it's such a great setup for a romance. I really enjoy this. I have to say, I thought that your teaser blurb for this book was genius. Thank you. Because it clearly sets up the story, but I also it was playing a little bit of like, I spy romance tropes with it because I think you put some really good little cues in there because like clearly we've already acknowledged the enemies to lovers dynamic. You catch that right off the off the bat with that first sentence. But then uh, you also had sunshine in there. So I've got the sense of a sunshine grump trope. You got it. I saw the the small town setting trope. Like quintessential small town. Which is a lot of fun. You know, like that whole like. Like saving the business. Saving the family business. Yep. Yep. And then of course you've got the handcuff mentions in there a couple of times. So we know it's going to be Stevie. Like you're a pro at this. Like I feel like. I know It is going to be Stevie. Yeah. 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 It was. Really fun. We'll link to it for people who are listening in and want to check it out for themselves, whether you're a reader or an author who yeah, wants to like do a little bit of studying up. I thought it was Thank really you. great. So so what other, did I catch them all? Like what other tropes are there in there? You did catch them all, I think. I mean, there's Opposites Attract, which I feel like is pretty much every book I ever write because, I mean, the best way to write a pairing is to figure out the worst person to put this, whether it's your hero or your heroine, the worst person to put them together and then figure out how they can work. So that's usually an opposite. Grumpy Sunshine, Enemies to Lovers. Let's see. I think I think that's it. There is a little bit of forced, forced proximity there. Um, there's a situation where they get trapped in the same house there is more than one bed but the heroine doesn't think there is more than one bed so she just goes right in and makes her (laughs) (laughs) do you have a favorite like as a reader or even as like a viewer it doesn't have to be a book but with this um like enemies to lovers that's like one of my favorite i like best friends to enemies to lovers like i I, i'm very particular Ooh, that transition yeah i I haven't read a whole lot of that i love best friends to lovers right and that used to be my favorite and i've written many of those but then i don't know something switched and i don't know if it was during covid or or if it had something specific to do with that. Um, I didn't think so, but it did transition to now I love enemies to lovers. I just love that the idea behind um, if someone sees you at your worst, sees all the awful parts of you and still wants you anyways. Like that is to me the true like core of enemies to lovers. And I think that's really reassuring for people, women, do you have a favorite pairing that's not your own, like as a a favorite pairing? Yeah. So, like, like, or like in a show or in a book, like not just the trope, but like a particular. So I don't really watch TV much at all, which is why I can read. Why are you right? You're so prolific. <laughs> yeah, 
I would just, I would just rather read than not. But my favorite enemies to lovers. Let's see. There's always the um, very famous The Hating Game. That's an excellent yeah. one. But there is also one called Hothead mm. by Stella Reese. And I have read this book more times than any other book that I have ever read. I think I'm on reread nine, maybe. And initially I was like, this is really good. And then I kept going back to it because it is so beautifully done. Like the transition between these people hating each other to these people falling in love was so flawless. Um, it's, it's a really great study if you are an author and you want wow. to study how the genre works or how this um, trope works. Or if you are a reader and you like um, hot, grumpy, arrogant uh, athlete heroes with a heroine who doesn't wilt, who stands up for herself. Yeah, there's forks, forced proximity. There is fake engagement. Um, there's ex-revenge on it. She gets back at her ex fiance i think or ex-boyfriend yeah that one is excellent that sounds excellent grumpy yeah, hot sounds amazing i'll have to add that yeah, to the list i can get behind yeah. that do oh, you know about roy kent <laughs> yeah i know so, about roy kent. are you kidding <laughs> like let me let me introduce you to someone <laughs> Yeah, for me, enemies to lovers, my head always goes straight to Pride and Prejudice. It's just like the OG. But I also, you said you don't read too much into paranormal, but just in fantasy genre, I really like The Cruel Prince. Yes, good. That by? Holly Black. That's by Holly Black. And I, oh, it's really good. It's like a fey world. And what I love about it is that the two primary characters that are the romantic couple in the uh they're so equally matched for wits and the entire thing is like this chess game maneuver of like court strategy to like grab power so i just find that really fun but they're a little problematic too which is it's because it's fantasy and then romance instead of romance fantasy you know what I mean? Like fantasy is the predominant genre with that, but it wouldn't exist without the romance. Yeah, that's true. So, cause yeah, he's an asshole. They're trying to kill each other. <laughs> it's good though. And yeah, she's not much better, but at least it's in defense. But anyway, it, it's one of those ones that like really treads the line for me. Like it took me a long time to come over to really enjoy an enemies to lovers because it can be so problematic. Like, why are you enemies? And what are the, what are the ways that you start that? And set that up and then also like come around on it to where they're the lover side of it in the end. But I've seen a lot more. For really me good with that trope, it. it is one that requires like you have to be good at it. Like as a reader, because it requires more suspension of, you know, belief disbelief, maybe than others. Because like I'm very opinionated and I know I'm I feel like I'm ride or die for everybody I like, but if I don't like you, I'm like, don't even talk to me. Like there's no enemies to lovers <laughs> happening here. Like but I love to read it. Just in real life, it would never happen. But I, I thoroughly enjoy the genre. And then, oh, Grumpy and Sunshine is my favorite. Like, I almost can't do romance without it. Like, I have to have that mm-hmm. trope. I don't know why. I know, right? Yeah. I love that. So this year, um, when I entered into the reverse harem mm-hmm. um, Rabbit hole. pool, I, I started with um, Lords of Pain, which is Forsyth University. And it is a bully reverse harem. So I went from, it happened one summer, Tessa Bailey. You know, I don't know if you guys have read that, but it's like, it's like grumpy sunshine, but it's just very light. I mean, just like your standard contemporary romance. And I dove straight into the middle of the ocean. This has like trigger warnings galore. So if you are triggered by anything, please, if you are a listener, uh, check those out first. But it is definitely like, for sure, an enemies to lovers, but there's bullying that happens. And how the authors made me want these two together, I'm sorry, more than two, these four together was masterful. And even at one point, the heroine gets back at one of the heroes for bullying her. And I had a problem with what she did to get back at him. And I'm like, what in the brainwashed nonsense is this? How, how did the author do that? What was the name of that series? Again? That's amazing. Just so I can write it down. Royals of Forsyth, I think, is the so it's the first one is Lords of Pain by Samantha Rue and Angel Lawson. Okay. But they are 
dark. I, I'm talking non-con, dub-con, knife play, um, torture, everything is in this. So uh, that was my first dark romance, my first reverse hair, my first bully. And it was, now everything is like, oh, this doesn't seem you so know, dark. So. This, I am so intrigued. I am going to check this out because I read a lot of crime fiction, really dark crime fiction. And then I do read a lot of romance, but I haven't really read a lot of dark romance. Like I haven't made that transition, but I feel like it's only a matter of time. So I'm curious yeah, because I've never thought about it. Like, like I never thought I could do dark either mm -hmm. um, because I'm not like, I don't know. I just thought that I wouldn't enjoy it, but there is something, I don't know, escapist mm -hmm. about it a little bit. And so I shared this with my newsletters, my, my subscribers, how I was reading all of these books and they were dark romance. And, you know, now, you know, it used to be that I was happy with, you know, like, dates at a movie theater and like walks down by the beach and now it's like kidnapping and torture and <laughs> nice play and um how i'm i'm liking this and i did get a response from a reader who who was like i i need to have consent in my in my romance and i need to have basically she listed like everything that i would need for a man in in real life like i need respect i need um consent i need to be an equal and I'm like, girl, I'm a feminist. I hear you. That's what I need too. But it's different when you read, right? You, it's like when you read a murder mystery, right. like, right? You're not like it's planning not a murder. Real. Yeah, I mean, especially um, like when it's a female author writing the story. I don't know. I feel like there's a little bit of, I mean, I don't know how to say what I'm trying to say. Like, not fantasy and like, <laughs> oh, that's my fantasy, but like. Um, you know, like they're probing their own minds and putting in stuff that they wouldn't mind reading, obviously, because they're writing it. Should we transition to Troped Out? Yeah. What? What is this? Oh. What are we... Okay. So at the end of every episode, we play the game Troped Out. And it's as simple as this. We give you two tropes and you pick one. Oh, great. You can share your thinking if you want or make some arguments. We might discuss it a little bit for each one, but it's just kind of go with your gut. No need to overthink okay. it. It shouldn't be fun, but it's a lot of fun. Oh, this is yeah, going to be so it. fun. Like it's, it's kind of fun. I'm excited to hear yes. what I like best. This is like the lightning round. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I've borrowed some of this from yeah. the tropes on your website, the way that you organize your books. So I will start with friends to lovers or enemies to lovers. Well, I kind of answered this earlier. Um, if you had asked me a year ago, I think I would have said friends to lovers, but now it's enemies to lovers. I just, I love that, that tension and that buildup more than I think um, with friends to lovers, there obviously is a little bit of tension in the beginning, but it's nothing like enemies to lovers. And it's, it's really two different moods. Like sometimes I really want a friends to lovers because I love that like they've ha they have this foundation of their relationship and then they decide, okay, yeah, I can't live without this person anymore. But um, that's when I'm feeling like a little bit like schmoopy, like hard eyes. I want that. But yeah. if I want some like tension and a little bit of aggression and some banter, then I want enemies to lovers. And that's where I've been leaning lately i think that's a great that's a great thing you pointed out too like because i feel like a lot of people like shove romance into like this this singular thing but it can like it can scratch so many different edges because it's like you said one of those is more like a comfort read like you're, you're wanting to feel good and the other you're like wanting that tension and then will they won't they like how's this gonna exactly. work so how about so Cyrano, as in like, you know, the Cyrano de Bergerac trope, like where you have the, you, you know what it is, like you have listeners, you have the guy who maybe is really good with words and the other guy or girl that has the looks and they one is helping the other woo the love interest and they're just helping, but soon everybody's in love with the love interest or more of a like matchmaker trope. I'm going to say matchmaker um, because I really do not enjoy mistaken identities. 
I, I don't, I will avoid them at all costs. I don't know why. I just, I don't, I don't like having that, like, it's like this underlying tension through the whole thing. And I want to say, like, I spend it screaming, just tell them, just tell them already. So yeah, I would say um, matchmaker. I haven't read a lot of those though. Yeah. I, you know, I'm thinking here with the Cyrano thing too. Um, it's one of those, I like that trope. I enjoy that trope in a, in like more of a show than in a book. I don't know why. I think because it's quicker. Mm -hmm. But in real life, it is the quickest way to blow up a relationship <laughs> because you're essentially lying to somebody yeah, the entire exactly. time. And it's like, surprise, I love you. Love me anyway. I like you. So yeah, I, I get that. It's a super weird thing. Yeah. 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 Do you have any matchmaker like suggestions? Anything that you really enjoy? Me? I just like asking you because you're so prolific. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Matchmaker. Okay. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. I truly don't know that I've read any. Like nothing that I can think of off the top of my head. That's a that's a shitty answer. My apologies. Well, that's how it works when somebody like asks. No, it's. <laughs> Anytime someone asks you something specifically, it's like a rule of life. It's immediately right, going right. to evaporate. Falls so, out of your head. I mean, that's what happens with podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't think of one either. Not that I read that genre as much. The closest I've got is, um, what's the Amazon show with the comedian? <laughs> Which one? I just have the matchmaker song from Mulan in my head right now. So. <laughs> That's who. Cricket. Uh, Ms. Maisel. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, Ms. Maisel. Maisel. Yes. In the later seasons, her mother oh, becomes the matchmaker. She's. But that's the closest I've got. Oh, it's I so good. That it's really, really so, good. It's super cute. It's very funny. If you liked, if you liked Gilmore Love Girls, Gilmore this Girls. delivers that same very bantery, fast dialogue. Very bantery. I would say sometimes it errs on the side of bantery over substance. Yeah, gotcha. But the clothes, man. If you like the rhythms, the clothes are also beautiful great. to watch. It's the clothes are perfect. Um, the characters like, are really solid. So yeah, it's it's really good. Yeah, it. I love Gilmore Girls. It's like previous. one of my I would say in my top three favorite shows of all time. And Starlight Cove is very much like Stars Hollow. Like that's what I based. Okay. On. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, so when I when I first met Chris and we started dating, I was it was like the seventh season of Gilmore Girls was out, so I was not going to miss a fucking episode because it was too close to the end. And so he started like watching it with me mm -hmm. just to like hang out. And then um, his friend came into town from back home. And these guys are like dudes. Like they're from like rural, small town Michigan where they're like dirt biking and just like, like shit like that, like dude stuff. And I was like, why don't you guys just like go hang out? I'm just going to watch Gilmore Girls. Like everything's cool. Like go have a guys night like go and Chris was like I can't miss it we're gonna go watch Gilmore Girls and so <laughs> I love it and I was like oh my god like this is the first time I was meeting his friend who's like his best friend his entire life and I was like he's gonna think I have done some sort of like weird shit Voodoo. to his friends like he's gonna hate me like yeah <laughs> And he was just like, okay. Like, turns out this guy's the chillest dude ever. I love it. And so we all just watched Gilmore yeah, Girls. Fast That's forward amazing. a year later, y'all have Gilmore Girls night. Yeah, and, and we, dudes we, and we watch it every once in a while. Just That's awesome. Because. <laughs> anyway, that's my story about Bill Do you Bill remember Bill. the show Bunheads? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, I'm the only person. Yes. Okay, you did? Okay. Yes. It was like the writers of Gilmore Girls. It only had one season. It yeah. had a, a strong Gilmore Girls vibe, except it was in, like, a dance school. And I watch anything about ballet, like, as if I could even touch my toes without bending my knees. But I will watch <laughs> anything in that world. It was so good, and nobody's seen it. Super cute. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. No, it's it's definitely worth going back and watching. It's, yeah. It is a little weird how much of the Gilmore Girls world is in that show. Oh. Yeah. Except for Lorelai and Rory. I did not know that. But... Okay. That aside, it's really good. And, like, the four teen girl characters at the middle are so good. And, the, you know, there's a little bit of overlap into Ms. Maisel, too. Oh. Is there? The one that's the most striking to me is um, the blonde petite friend who is the secretary and is helping Mr. Maisel with, like, his transcriptions and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The friend. Really peppy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's the really petite blonde ba ballerina. 
Oh. In bunheads. Okay. Like like the kind of nervous, perfect one? Yeah, it's been a minute since I've seen it, but... It took me a little while to figure out why she seemed so familiar, and it was like, oh, obviously. Like, she's part of the whole Sherman, De- Sherman Palladino universe. So we need... Anyway, there you go. We need them to adapt Starlight Cove into yeah. a Star Hollow situation. Yeah, if anybody wants to Written call me for that, that's... That would be perfect. My line is I mean, open. Right. We'll set it up. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, I love it. Do you have another, do you want to ask Brighton another tripped out question? Sure. That took us on that detour. <laughs> okay. Class warfare or generational gap? So like older woman, younger man. Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, so I love a good age gap, especially if it's a reverse age gap with an older woman and a younger man. But I feel like um, there's like a fine line to walk with that where I don't want to feel like I don't want it to be overdone or talked about too much um, because then it can start to feel a little bit skeevy for me, especially if the other person is young, like in their early 20s or even younger than that. It feels a little bit, eh, I don't know. Um, but I do, th- yeah, but I do think that that has um, more possibility for tension than class warfare. I don't know. It it just feels like there's there's more, could be more to that. Right. I think you're right if it's done really well. So I like class warfare in historical maybe more than uh, contemporary. Just math. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, um, I don't know, it doesn't matter as much anymore. That's why there's not as much tension, I guess. Or it shouldn't matter. Right, yeah. it shouldn't. I mean, unless you're talking about like, like the president's daughter with like a homeless man. I mean, that would be like severe class warfare. read that. <laughs> <laughs> so my favorite book, and people don't get this, but like my favorite book is Weathering Heights, right? And she says in the beginning, I haven't read any dark romance, but um, it's not a romance, right? It's, it's, I would it's very it toxic. It's got romance in it. No, happily ever. I'm going right. to let you but, in on my secret. I've never okay. read them. I've never read any of them. So you None of them. probably wouldn't, I don't know. I don't know. Most of my romance friends don't love it just because it doesn't give you the ending you want it's not a romance no it's, it's not, not a romance. romance it's not a romance but it's <sighs> i will die on this romance okay i don't know how this happened but yeah kathy dies and heathcliff is a horrible person and does some horrible shit but he is so messed up over this he is just like begging her to haunt him so that he does not have to live without her like, he thinks she's a ghost. Like, it is. After being, like, That's emotionally and physically abusive for years. You want my ghost to stay. That's how it's real for me. If it's nothing less. But he did some bad shit. He, like, kidnapped her daughter. Like, it was, it was so bad. It would be a Lifetime movie today. They both have, like, yeah, like, untreated personality issues. Oh, yeah. And it's easy to see where they came from because you see them abused by other people. But so does Darcy, though. I mean, come on. Darcy has personality issues. But Darcy saves the cat. Yeah, Darcy's an asshole, man. But then he secretly. You no, know, I am guy. a sucker for those characters. I, guess. I don't know. I feel like he's a good person, but he's not a nice person. Heathcliff's not a nice guy. He's he's bad. They made him bad. He wasn't gonna be bad. He'd have been good. They just kicked him. Are you sure about that? I feel like he's sorry. You know, Darcy, you know. get on that. <laughs> we'll have to put a we'll put a bookmark. I'm down. rereading this tonight. <laughs> Character assassination. Like I'm assuming you've read The Hunger Games. Okay. Yes. I'm Team Gale. Oh yeah, let's go there. The only correct <laughs> team there is. Sorry if Ooh. you're Team Peta. Okay. Um, but Ooh. she totally. She being the author totally like created you. character assassination on him in book three. Because he would never have done the things that he yeah. did, air quotes. So hmm. that's that's what's frustrating for me with love triangles. This is, whew, we just went off 
into another tangent, but that's okay. Having that's a good we do. Know, a believable love triangle is when like you can't choose. And so committing character assassination on one of the characters is like an easy out to make it so that it's not like, oh, well, of course she's not going to pick right. the guy who murdered her sister. Spoiler alert. Sorry for anybody who hasn't read this in the last 10 years it's been out, but you haven't read it by right. now. You're probably not gonna. <laughs> or watched it. I don't even rem- hmm. This is terrible. I When Hunger Games came out, I was all about it and I loved it and I watched the movies, but I cannot remember now. Like, I remember the big parts of what happened, but I not much stays in here. Like, a lot comes in and then it just goes right on out. So, I need to maybe... I could probably reread it and be excited about it. Yeah. I mean, I gotta tell you, it was never anywhere close to a competition for me between Gail and Peta. Hey, are you team Peta? Team Peta all the way. Are you really? And the thing that this really is, is like the nail in the coffin for me for from the first page is that Gail's already in love with her and she knows it before anything happens in this story and she's not into it. Okay, so what's the name of the guy that's like the alcoholic that trains her? Hamish. Okay, so here's a Here's a curveball. What if I was Team Hamish? No, I'm just joking. Well, that gets creepy really quickly, so let's explore You know, I bet you're sick out there with that. You think so? Oh, did you know, by the way? they're teenagers, huh? I forget they're teenagers. Yeah, they're teenagers. Oh, never mind. I take it back. Take it back. Factoid. So apparently on set, um, oh, shoot. What are their names? I'm seeing the faces and I'm blinking out in the names. Woody Harrelson. The actors. Jennifer Lawrence. Lawrence. Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson and... Um, and Jennifer Lawrence. No, 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 not Jennifer Lawrence. I'm talking about... Oh, um, oh Effie. Elizabeth Banks. Yeah. Elizabeth Banks. <laughs> Apparently, they had a little bit of a thing going. And so there was a little bit of campaigning for a... Not from fans, like, on set from Woody Harrelson for, like, a secret behind-the-scenes romance going on there yeah talk about opposites attract he's one of those actors i would like watch in anything just about he's and it's not like a like a crush or an attraction it's just like he's so good yeah he is and they like zombie land he's amazing he makes that movie he's perfect yeah 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 yeah. okay so i guess i should ask you our first our last troop out question that we ask everybody but i'm always most interested to hear what romance writers say so Secret baby or secret twin? Is secret secret twins a thing? Is that a thing? It's the thing on soap operas. Um, do you mean by secret twin? Do you mean like mistaken identity, so that one of the twins? Okay, I'm gonna change it because we know where you stand on that. Okay, secret like, baby. How do I pick? <laughs> <laughs> secret baby or jilted bride? They have nothing to do with each Ooh. other. But there we go. Um, I okay. would say jilted bride. Um, I think a secret okay. baby is so 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 hard to do. I have never read one that uh, that I've enjoyed. That's not right. to say that I never would, but it's hard for me to I don't know reconcile the reasons behind someone leaving and not telling their significant right. other that they were pregnant. So I would say a jilted bride, but that is also tricky because you have to establish that she was no longer in love with her fiance. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, Tessa Bailey has one getaway girl. Very well done. She, well, I don't know if she's a, she's not really a jilted bride. She's a runaway bride. So that's not the same. So never mind. I don't have one. Runaway bride's a good one too, though. So a runaway bride would, would be like where the bride leaves, yeah. right? And a jilted bride is like someone who's left at the altar. altar. Yeah. yeah. I haven't, I haven't read one of those. And a lot of these tropes to me, and maybe it's just because, well, obviously we look at the past as the past, but a lot of things work more for me as a reader in like a historical context than like in contemporary, but maybe it's because in contemporary in my head, I'm trying to make it make sense in my world. And I'm like, there is not a situation where I would be like, okay, did not tell them. Like with Secret Baby, if somebody's bad enough, you don't want them to know, then then why do you want them to know ever? Yeah. Or if they're not that bad and you don't tell them, then that kind of makes you questionable. In a book, I'm not wanting right. to offend anybody in real life, I th- but in a story. I think the only way that it really works for me is if there is um, circumstances beyond either of their control um, that takes them right. apart. Like um... Pearl Harbor. <laughs> the movie? It happens in Pearl Harbor. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, no, it doesn't because it's the other guy. <sighs> oh, my baby. God. I thought you meant like. 
I never mind like literal Pearl Harbor like when it happened and I'm like like they get stuck oh, in a no war? I'm talking about the movie I, don't, I, don't <laughs> I mean yes but but no I was thinking I had it mixed up a little bit it's been it's been a while since I watched that movie it's really long anyway yeah, like if, if um if the hero you know if they they are torn apart by circumstances beyond their control they lose a number or they get mugged and don't have their phone or something they get taken into you know the the hero is military and he boom he's he's a seal and he's on a secret op mission for two years i don't know you know something like that where it's not just well i didn't like you said like i didn't think you were a good enough man to do this or i thought this would ruin right. your life yeah. or no i'm not i'm right. not about that it's funny because like when we talk we always ask about secret baby because it's the one where depending on as a writer like your genre and your tropes you bring to the question you interpret it completely different because when we had like uh, Mia Mananzala on and she was like well it's completely different in mystery like the secret baby might be coming back and trying to kill somebody years later right. like it's different and, and then Michael, Michael Mamey pointed out that Luke Skywalker was a secret baby so oh. it's kind of a yeah, fun question so those genre filters it's fun but I don't yeah, think yeah, we've yeah. had a lot of teen secret baby right no no all out of the romance genre yeah no romance secret no romance is- so I did, um, I did a poll in my newsletter group. Let's see. It was like mid 2020, I think about tropes, like the top rated tropes for the people in my list. And I got about 2000 responses to it. And number one and two was enemies to lovers, friends to lovers. Like they were very close. Bottom of the barrel was secret baby, like the bottom. And I had probably 15 different tropes. People, most Somebody's people buying not, this. I know book, most people do not like it, but they're I, there. I think the people who do like it really like it, and they are ravenous for it. You know, like with any trope, they get they get hungry for it. You know, I think too, probably. Which I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but like I know for me, if I love an author, like really love an author, and I'm buying, like there's some authors that I read that if they wrote a secret baby, I'd be like, okay, I trust you. Let's see what you're doing. True. You know, because it's it's the author and not necessarily. For sure. Not the trope. The secret baby. Right. You know. There are some that I don't even have to read the blurbs for. You know, I just. You just instant buy. Yep. Yeah. There's a, there's a series that I've been reading and it's, I guess it's romance. It's paranormal romance, but um, it's not as spicy as some. It, it, I think it kind of toes the line between urban fantasy and paranormal romance. I have been reading this series since like 2004 <laughs> and to the point like yeah and I'm like okay it is by Patricia Briggs okay. I'm reading it's the Mercy Thompson series yeah. and then the Alpha and Omega series and they kind of inter combine and every time I'm like all right it's time to let this die like I'm <laughs> I'm good this is enough books then the next one will be like really good and I'm like all right I'm back again <laughs> That's like my last um, paranormal holdout, I think, because in the early 2000s, I was that was like all I read for like a couple years. You know, it was real big. It had like a big heyday there. Oh, yeah. I mean, not that it's not big now, but it was like it was traditionally, traditional. yeah. like it was everywhere. Now it's, yeah. it's shifted. Well, same with romance, really. More Most indie. romance has switched, shifted to indie. But um, yeah, Black oh, Tiger yeah. Brother- Brotherhood was my first like steamy steamy book and that wasn't until I was like almost 30 so I I I got back into reading with Twilight and then I was one of those like morning Twilight moms who went to search out fanfic um (laughs) and fell down the fanfic fanfic hole um and then surfaced like three years later and Black Dagger Brotherhood was my first one and then that was the motorcycle vampires right that was no they were um because I've heard people mention it, but I haven't. Oh my god, you haven't it. read it? Okay, oh, so I'm, I'm writing it, gets, it down. Um, <laughs> like I think it's pretty popular in terms of um, in terms well, of PNR. Like, yeah, um, I don't think they're. God, it's been so long since I read it. I don't think they're motorcycle. So 
Um, but it is a very, yeah, very think... long series. I stopped, I think, reading at book maybe nine or 10. And I want to say there's like, I don't know, 12, 15. I don't know. They just keep oh, coming. Wow. I'm always in awe when write, when writers can go on for yeah, that long the it's, same series. It's so overwhelming to me. I got to book four and I was like, tap it You've out. You've got to have like a really <laughs> can't robust do series Bible to be able to do that. To be able to remember yeah. like, okay, that this too. happens in, in like, oh, I mentioned George in book one and he's the, you know, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Especially because a lot of people... It's one thing if you're caught up and you, especially with traditionally published authors, books come out like once a year or whatever. So you read one and you're waiting a year for the next one. Okay. You have a little more wiggle room, but when the series is out and like you're reading one after the other and you catch like all the things. Cause I remember there was a series I read and I would get so, this is such a dumb thing to get annoyed about, but I would get so annoyed as a reader. And this is before I wrote books, but this truck was a different color and like, every third book and i was like fucker like come on just why but then i realized okay there's a lot of time here you know it can be so frustrating to write i i don't read anymore unless the series is complete because i don't do cliffhangers and i if it's if it's interconnected standalones which is what i write where it's a each couple gets their happy ever after and then it moves to the next couple that's totally fine but if it's an overarching um series where there's a cliffhanger usually if it's a cliffhanger so it has to be about one couple because even if it's overarching like black dagger brotherhood is but it's one one couple for each book so there's closure but not closure over like the big bad you know right but i have to wait until they're all out to read them and you really do when you read authors back to back to back to back whether it's a series like that or a series of interconnected standalones you really pick up their ticks and their um, crutches that they use. Mm. And which I try to give leeway because it's like, okay, these aren't meant to be read. Like, okay, maybe don't read seven books in seven days by the, by one author, you know? Um, but it's, it's hard to catch that as an author. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. As we know. Anyway, Brighton, why don't you tell us where people can find you online? Oh, I am at brightonwalsh.com. If you do brightonwalsh.com backslash quick links, you can get like a cheat sheet. It's like a link tree, but it's on my website and it gives, there's like a link to sign up for my newsletter where you can get a free book. There's my free book offerings that are not like that. All my social media is on there. So you can click to your heart's content awesome i just want to point out we've talked about your newsletter a couple of times on here so listeners i would definitely take advantage of that because it sounds like you have some really i know in a late in an age where everybody has a newsletter it sounds like you put out some really good content so i love my newsletter it goes out once a week and it it's like my one constant you know because sometimes like i will i will waver back and forth on facebook or instagram or any of those but um like my newsletter is like my it's my happy place. So yeah, for sure. Sign up. Cool, cool. And if you liked this episode, please subscribe and review. And you can find us at Typo Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and also TikTok. TikTok? Yes. Yes. Okay. So check us out there and uh, we'll see you next episode. (laughs) 